0: Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of Living on Blockchain. Today we are speaking to Zara Zamani. She is uh, the Chief Solution Architect for ChromaWay or Chromia. It's a layer one solution that is uh, making a lot of waves uh, in the way it is creating it, building on its ecosystem. She's had an incredible journey so far from, you know, working in a completely different sector than transitioning to Web3. A very insightful conversation is heading your way. So I can't wait for you guys to hear it. Let's go right at it. Hi Zara, how are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you.
1: Hope you're doing great too.
0: I'm doing wonderfully well. Thank you so much for asking. Uh, it's so good that you know you could make time for this particular recording for our listeners. Would you mind introducing yourself and telling us what you're building?
1: Uh, sure. Uh, hi everyone. I'm Zara, and I'm CSO, Chief Solutions Officer at ChromaWave, and I always call Chrome. Leading Nordic blockchain company, and but if I want to be honest, we can also call ourselves leading blockchain company of North Europe. Uh, We are uh, creators of Chromia, uh, which is a permissionless uh, public blockchain layer one, and simultaneously building multiple different DApps to expand Chromia's ecosystem. Once, uh, hopefully, soon in future, and that means we have a quite big portfolio of blockchain gaming real estate organization, fashion tech now. So a lot of exciting projects on the table,
0: basically. All right. Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, you mentioned that you're building the uh, presently. What were you doing before this and how did you get into Web3? Are
1: you asking my own personal journey of how I got into the Web3? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> if I tell you, My journey, I started my career in a totally different industry, in oil and gas industry. So I I have a technical engineering background. And uh, and I started my uh, career as a field engineer in oil and gas industry, working with the biggest service company in the world, Schlumberger. I was a field engineer, like hardcore Mm -hmm. field engineer with coveralls and helmets on offshore middle of nowhere. Wow, <laughs> that's quite a leap from there to Web three. So uh... yeah, it is. <laughs> it is a quite uh, big leap, but but I would say there is a uh, of course there's tremendous amount of differences, but there's a lot of ex- similarities of the spaces as well. So I started my career as a field engineer. Throughout that, I have traveled around the world a lot. Worked in many different countries. And gained a lot of patience in, you know, working with people of different cultures, different understanding, different backgrounds, um, you know, different education levels, etc. So, and then working in a very, very male dominant industry at the time that I was a field engineer in oil and gas, there was only three percent of uh, the engineers globally were female engineers, and I never worked in any other project that there was another single female engineer on the job Mm -hmm. so um, we only met other female engineers in the training centers but after some times some years of being in that space which i absolutely loved and i enjoyed and that's when i I particularly worked in india too Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah and i i enjoyed that job but then you come to a point that you know you go to a bar and you can't talk to people like there is no conversation right. <laughs> you're like right. okay yeah. yeah but and i always wanted to make a change in the world and then you know you come to a point that you have a great career you are in a very good uh, in, i mean um environment etc but you're not I've, i at least i didn't feel like i'm changing the world like i was like okay what am I doing with my life? After some years, I was like, okay, I need, I need to make a change here. I was just getting into my comfort zone, which was quite dangerous for me because I left my family alone when I was a teenager to study abroad. And then, you know, now right. going back to comfort zone as an adult, as a professional, it was totally a no-no for me. And uh, then I was like, okay, what am I interested in? I always had interest in tech. And uh, what do I do? And I traveled a little bit around um, the country of my, my uh, birth country, which is Iran. I am originally from Iran. And I noticed that Iran was really, really weak with travel tech. I was like, OK, let's start a travel tech in Middle East. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I did. So I started my own um, business uh, in 2010. I started the uh, travel tech, fintech company, Well, we started with travel tech first, and then eventually when you do travel tech, eventually you have to do a lot of uh, fintech work because your customer is in another country, your uh, supplier is in another country, and your company, who is basically aggregator and service provider, is in another country, and you cannot really you can you have to do a lot of international settlements so you you manage you realize that sometimes you're developing more payment apis than actually travel apis so that's how we became a fintech company and from uh, starting from 2014 then i fell into the the no i don't want to call it fell into the trap of it no but i stepped into the beautiful and challenging journey of uh, blockchain uh, okay. in, in in my own fintech business and that's when we started developing late 2014 early to 2015 we started building uh, on blockchain we started building a tourism uh, platform basically it was uh, we were building on ethereum ethereum smart contracts were very 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 newly launched and we launched that platform in 2017. But we had to shut it down after a few months because at the moment, the governments were all afraid of crypto and it wasn't regulated and they were all very skeptical to it. But I knew that I stepped into a journey that I fell in love with the technology because I was not a politician, I was not an activist, I, I was not a human rights activist, but I was a technologist. And the only thing that would let me go for my passion and actually make the change in the world that I wanted always was blockchain technology. So I, it, it was like I found my passion with blockchain. So wow. I decided to do more with blockchain and uh, then I uh, moved to to Sweden because at at that moment, Sweden was uh, having a lot of innovation, uh, research funds, et cetera. I started my PhD uh, in uh, blockchain adoption in Hamsa University in South Sweden, and started working with multiple different companies in Sweden in building blockchain solutions. So uh, I have built blockchain solutions in healthcare, supply chain, uh, all the way to energy distribution, and now a lot of games and, uh, you know, DAOs and, like I said, fashion takes, cetera, and metaverse, et cetera. So uh, that is pretty much my journey uh, from oil and gas industry to Web3. The similarities of these uh, spaces are both spaces are extremely male dominant and also male uh, masculine in culture. The right. Yeah. So so that is the the similarity for sure, and that's probably why I could manage it in Web3 because I was very ready for that culture.
0: Right. <laughs> you already had the requisite training. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Awesome. So that's quite a journey, you know. Uh, you you've been around for a while as well. So you know, you you've been around since uh, twenty fourteen in in the Web3 space when it wasn't even called Web3. I think. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. What is your, you know, take on how the industry has perhaps evolved?
1: Oh my God, it has evolved a lot, a right? lot. Yeah. In 2016, I was speaking in a conference about blockchain and I remember I came down the stage and there was uh, this gentleman who approached me and told me, but, but you're a smart engineer, you couldn't find a job? And I was like, <laughs> what does it even mean? Like he yeah. thought that yeah. I was an engineer who didn't find job and I had no other choice to join a fraud company or a fraud industry, you know. Right. And this was the understanding of this industry. And then we had to we had to do a lot of education. I always thought I would make a horrible person as an educator. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> but then since I stepped into the blockchain world. I have to say, for the first three, four years, ninety percent of my work in blockchain was education, like educating people, creating awareness. And right. I, I can only really say the real change that we we that started make making us happy in this space was it happened with the introduction of NFTs. When NFTs were introduced uh, in blockchain world, then It was what now we had one solid application that a non-tech savvy person could get involved with. Before that, it was all tech savvy people. Like if you could understand the complexity of it and it was communicated by technical people, it was always very difficult for business oriented people to understand it. It, We still have those challenges, but it got much, much easier after NFTs. So um, and and yeah,
0: it changed the game that way. You know, the, exactly. blockchain became more relatable for uh, people who were perhaps not from tech, and you know, perhaps who looking to explore this. It became a new, approachable way to perhaps approach. Uh, you know, get into this space or the tech.
1: Yeah. So exactly. With so, uh, this, yeah. Please go ahead. Yeah, I think um, for so many reasons. Well, one, because NFTs were now. An application that, like I said, non-tech savvy could understand it. But also, finally, now we had a reason for a lot of women to step into this space as well, right? Mm-hmm. And and uh, I think NFTs really, really created not only women, created a lot of gender diversity in the space of blockchain, which is amazing to see because it's uh, you know we uh, we have. In the cultural studies scientific cultural studies we have hosted who is a very well-known um, cultural scientist and he he has idea of feminist culture versus masculine culture and in, in masculine culture is where the culture that is very much concentrating around power and wealth and money and you know and ma- feminine culture is a lot around sharing and caring in my perspective blockchain in my perspective blockchain technology is a very feminine technology because it's actually about sharing and caring it's actually about including the community in the economy that you create it's actually about you know sharing uh, the value basically that you create but also definitely has um, you know um, the wealth creation involved with it. But it's it's decentralized. It's distributed. So it's by wow. nature, it's more feminine uh, technology, I believe, blockchain. And it was it was and is still definitely. It's sad to not see many women in this space, of course.
0: Yeah, it is. But, you know, this is such a beautiful way of putting it. And I've actually never heard this before, that, you know, blockchain is more of a feminine technology than masculine. And, you know, when I think about it, it makes so much sense. Uh, It's just, uh, I think the perception that gets, uh, that uh, that is around blockchain technology and Web3 is that, you know, it is a space for perhaps the more technically sound, which is a perception that I actively try to break, because I, I think that, you know, this is an entire sector and there are people from all skill sets that are required. And if we can perhaps, you know, say this enough, then uh, maybe more people will get it and it'll become even more inclusive because uh, the people, there will be people coming in from different talent pools.
1: Exactly. Definitely. And I think uh, one of the major problems we have today is actually what you just mentioned. That we have not been able to communicate uh, the technology and the values that the technology creates in the in different uh, languages. I, and I'm when I say different languages, I mean in business language, in marketing language, in sales language, in tech language, in you know education language, in a language that people of different skill set and profession can understand it. Because what what we try to communicate as technologists often is. A very technical language, right? Which is not interesting for people. Like an average person does not care what technology they're using in the service exactly. that they're using. What they care is what values are created for, for me, if I'm using. And that is the language we need to shift in communication. But also, I think we will only see the real mass adoption or the boom of WebTree if we manage to... Uh, I always say, if we manage to wed... Web3 backend with Web2 front-end, we will succeed. <laughs> wow, <Well,
0: laughs> well, yeah, yeah. You know, that's that's be true. Yeah, 100%, yeah exactly. 80%. If
1: we can bring in, you know, user experience, user interface of existing solutions in Web2 backed up with Web3 technology, then that is what we need.
0: I think I completely agree here. You know, uh, Web2 folks, they kind of get into this echo chamber and we feel that, you know, this is entirely new. So we have to do everything differently than Web2, which I disagree with. I think, you know, Web2 fundamentals or fundamentals across, right? Creating any business, I think they remain the same, be it a business in Web2 or Web3 or any other sector. And there are certain things that Web2 is obviously doing right. And, you know, we we would be doing disservice to ourselves if we do not take on those traits.
1: Oh, 100 I, I, percent. I, I'm, I'm definitely against uh, some of those extremists that think, OK, now you have a Web2, let's scrap it and throw it away and start a, a building a Web3. No, actually, I don't agree with that. I think where we are in Web2, if you look at the past 15 years, it has been tremendous amount of um, improvement and innovation, seriously valuable in, uh, innovations. Uh, being done in web 2 as well so we might we want we should embrace them we should embrace them and we should use what is existing and is perfectly working as great and back it up with another great technology web 3 right to make it even better
0: yeah, it's all about evolving uh, the tech, right? It's all about making it easier and better. Uh, and obviously, you know, you don't just make things better from like, you know, by inventing the wheel all over again, if there is something good that has been done, let's carry it with us and you know add to it and make those incremental changes
1: exactly i think that is uh, definitely what we need to do we need to learn to uh, like you said evolve and also but then what is very tricky in that evolvement and one of my biggest concerns actually in the um, world of web3 is um, inclusion because it seems like that evolvement is this like or development of web3 technology or a lot of that's around the the world right now is very much concentrated to to certain geographical regions which which is quite tricky because um the question is um are white men now building the virtual world that non-white men people around the world are gonna live in it so you know that is a question Right. right like and that is actually a risk for me because Like I said, I I have a very diverse background, lived in many different countries. And for me, inclusion and diversity is extremely important. I don't want to end up in a virtual world, which I believe all of us will end up living in a virtual uh, life uh, soon in the future. But I do not want to live in a life, uh, in a virtual life that all of the ethics of that room is set by a certain culture. And I think that is a big risk. The ethics. And you know, uh, cultural design and social design of the future on blockchain, in is actually a risk uh, at the moment. Is at risk at the moment.
0: Absolutely, I think you know we are pretty early, and you know this is the right time to plant these seeds and ensure that you know we do not end up, perhaps, like you know, Web two, where uh, all it became like just a white man's world primarily. And you know, uh, when you think about Uh, technology companies you you think about all of these founders and they are in one geography and uh, they're mostly you know the gender ratio is very skewed so we don't want that uh, same thing to happen in web3 we would want to do things differently and that is where perhaps you know we should not take a cue out of web2
1: and uh, do things differently in web3 exactly definitely and web3 by default does allow of course a lot of contribution Uh, and is by default more inclusive and you know um, brings more diversity but we just need to make sure that this diversity does not uh, end in participation but also goes beyond that it goes into the creators builders uh, funders and um, yeah and entrepreneurs right absolutely so this as i keep saying i think this
0: you know this this entire industry is in its infancy. It's very early. So we need to basically plant the rice seeds, make sure that, you know, we have the foundation, right? And the foundation, the bedrock has to be uh, on because this is a distributed technology. It needs to be on the basis of inclusion and making sure that, you know, we are putting, uh, we are not just uh, pu- pushing out uh, content, which is too uh, esoteric, too niche, uh, so that this is this technology becomes more approachable because ultimately any technology evolves or any, you know, leap and bound that happen in any sector, they are happening for a purpose. And the purpose is to make life better.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So, you know, now that uh, we've touched upon the philosophical side of things, what is like, what is the next big thing for Chromia? Like what what are you guys uh, looking at as your next big milestone?
1: Well, uh, the the next biggest milestone for us is um, Tromia, basically uh, the main net uh, coming soon uh, next year, early next year, hopefully. And then, uh, and I think in terms of the uh, portfolio of what we're building, we are very excited about our new uh, initiatives in fashion tech
0: and e which also includes um, a lot of uh, gaming for sure right okay that's that's wonderful so you know your mainnet is still a little uh, far off like you know you're, you're planning to get to mainnet perhaps in the coming year as you mentioned so in the meantime what are the active steps that you guys are taking to build the ecosystem and make sure that the mainnet launch is a super success
1: of course, we have different groups and different work groups and initiatives that are working on preparing the ecosystem, you know, and also making sure that you know once our main MVP is launched, at least is as distributed and as decentralized as possible. But simultaneously, we do a lot of different efforts. We have an investment leg that is looking into attractive projects to onboard on Chromia. We have our innovation lab that is running multiple uh, two twice a year incubation programs with uh, every time twenty plus companies taking part into you know for educating and uh, potentially uh, adding and onboarding those projects on Chromium ecosystem as well. And we have been building different um, ventures uh, that uh, will definitely uh, thrive in the ecosystem of Chromia once uh, the mainnet is launched but we have like I said we have been actively working on this and I think we will probably be one of the very rare uh, projects that have a quite big ecosystem before mainnet is launched uh, already.
0: Okay awesome awesome I think you know community becomes uh, I think we all agree that community is the a very intrinsically important part when you're building something in Web3 considering, you know, the products take time to go live, uh, but at least, you know, you have like a ready audience of early adopters. So you guys seem to be doing like a, a fabulous job there. Now, considering this is this is like a very cliched question that I get asked a lot, and uh, you know, I I would like to know from you as somebody who is uh, behind Chromia and you know a part of their core team, how do you ensure that uh, you know you are uh, keeping your team very inclusive? Like, are there any? tricks and tips that, you know, perhaps you can give to the fellow, give to our fellow founders to make sure that inclusion becomes their baseline as well when they are expanding their team?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, definitely. I have to say, I am really, really proud of how, how um, inclusive our team is. Currently, our mm-hmm. team is, we have uh, team members in 27 countries and then wow. uh, I can say I have never seen in any other tech or blockchain company the number of uh, female colleagues that we have uh, in Chrome um, uh, like Cromwell, and this is brilliant for sure. I think it's it's the matter of uh, actively practicing it. So we we care a lot about how we place our recruitment at. We care about the language that we communicate. To the public because a lot what a lot of um, uh, tech companies don't pay attention to is when you start when you want to recruit people the language they communicate the positions is extremely important in how um, different genders look at that position right so we make sure that this the the language that is uh, used in our recruitment is inclusive enough but also constantly make sure that you know uh, keep the teams also diverse in terms of skill set, in terms of gender, in terms of uh, sometimes even age. I have to say we have different uh, people uh, in the company of different age ranges, sure as well. And um, but constantly, our HR team is also looking into bring onboarding different solutions. That's uh, recently I know there was a discussion with an AI uh, partner on potentially measuring inclusion. Through our informal com, uh, communications in the company and taking actions uh, for create, making the company more inclusive for sure. So, inclusion and diversity is extremely important for us, not only because we want to say, okay, look at us, we are a super diverse company, but because this actually brings a lot of different perspectives, mindsets, skill sets to the company. And this is exactly what we need in a crypto company because we have to, what we need to remember is that. Everything we're building in this space, we are almost the first ones who are doing it. And it is not impossible if you're doing this with a team that everyone thinks alike. You have to have different people with different mindset and mentality in that team, unless uh, this will not be a success.
0: Absolutely. I think uh, diversity, inclusion, they're very important so that, you know, you are looking at things differently. It's very important that, you know, to build a, a successful venture, to have a different kind of opinions and perhaps disagreements as well on the table uh, because everybody brings their own perspective, right? If you're just picking out uh, people from the same demographic and uh, then, then, you know, your scope is very limited. Uh, The only way to expand it and thereby expand your solution that you're building is uh, to make a more inclusive team.
1: Exactly.
0: Definitely. So when it uh, you know we we talked about uh, inclusion in this space, what what is your take about you know on the bear market and, and on the projects that are uh, coming out uh, right now? Uh, like, do you do you have an opinion there? Do you have any favorites? Yeah,
1: well, we are a company <laughs> that survives quite a number of bear markets. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So in that sense, I, I will. I always believe, and I think this is what we also see in way that bear market is when you build right and bull market is of course when you sell what you build so uh, so and then also of course um bear market is the time that a lot of enthusiast people who just joined for the hype of of it will go away and the real builders will stay right those who who stay are the real builders and I think it's um, it's great to concentrate on uh, what is coming up in the next bull market, what is going to be attractive in the next bull market. And we are doing that constantly in Cronvay and build for that, prepare uh, products for, for when is the right, the right time to launch them in the market. And that is what we're constantly doing now in Crowway Of course, we are also optimizing our focus, right? We're not mm-hmm. starting plenty of new initiatives like we we might have done uh, before we are more cautious about uh, the initiatives we start but we by no means we have definitely not stopped um our innovation exploration so we are still starting new initiatives but more cautious we are still building a lot of uh, new products that uh, will we we will launch them uh, when it's the right time to do so
0: right yeah that that i think is a very sound advice and in general i i think the Folks who have been around for a while and they've seen multiple cycles. Everybody seems to have the same take that, you know, this is the time to build and the noise kind of dies down. So a build right now and sell in the coming cycle. That That is a good advice. But if you have to and if you must uh, choose, like perhaps some of uh, the projects that you feel are really doing right and they would survive this bear market and be there in the next bull cycle, who would you put your money on? Uh,
1: you mean uh, from a uh, Web portfolio?
0: Absolutely, from hardware or otherwise, like you know, the projects okay. that you feel very yeah, confident.
1: Well, yeah, um, I personally believe the next pool run is a lot about um, uh, IP and Web two point five, actually. And what I and I explained to you what I mean by Web two point five. So um, and and uh, by IP what I mean is. In the next bull run, we will see a lot of IP holders or IP owners joining Web3 space. A lot of big brands, a lot of celebrities, a lot of big names. And the projects who are actually now in the bear market securing uh, IPs to their projects, they will definitely do very well in the next bull run. And I think that is a key success point for the next bull run. And in Web 2.5, I think uh, solutions that are enabling normies to step into that tree, right? I think that the previous bull run was a lot concentrated around crypto community. I think the next bull run is a lot concentrated about uh, Web 2.5 community, people who know a bit about what is happening, but they don't know how to do it. So if you, in your project, you are actually enabling or smoothening the transition of norm is from Web two to Web 3, which I call Web 2.5, then you will do well in the next full run.
0: Wow, yeah, that sounded right. I think that is the way to go. I I do agree completely that the last cycle was completely uh, token focused and it was a lot about, it was just a lot of FOMO. And um, all about all the capital that was there in the market. But I do believe that with every every cycle, uh, the maturity uh, that is there in the space increases. And I do think that, you know, now we are coming to a point where uh, people who are perhaps building sound solutions that are actually uh, easing the life of their potential user, those are the ones that will actually uh, now be able to take their cake and eat it too.
1: Exactly.
0: Wonderful. So, you know, we are, we are kind of now coming to a close on this recording but uh, I do have uh, two more questions before I would like to wrap it up are there any uh, content creators or influencers perhaps influencers is not the right word but content creators that you feel are really doing it right in terms of creating content which is which makes the tech more approachable perhaps
1: content creators
0: there's a lot of builders you know even builders like anybody who think that you know the, the our listeners should follow and uh, listen to you know what because what they are saying is is making the tech more approachable
1: yeah well definitely as a cso of Chromeway, i'm going to be biased and say definitely, right. <laughs> definitely follow chromia and the projects of uh, within chromia ecosystem like my neighbor alice Minds of the Larnia, um you know and, and more projects from uh, chromia ecosystem but also I'm going to be biased again because I'm also co-founder of NeoKey Metaverse, uh, open world metaverse pl- platform, and uh, which is very much focused on the world of design and uh, working very, very closely with brands, designers, artists, um, premium designers, celebrities, influencers and all. And I think def- what they are definitely doing in NeoKey is... Uh, a lot of uh, like i said web 2.3 2.5 2.7 solutions to to help people to take the lead from web 2 to web 3 and i definitely uh, suggest uh, people to follow nerki and and watch uh, what they're doing awesome
0: we'll we we'll sure to gonna uh, put them Put the link to their social media in our description as well, so that our listeners can give them a follow. Uh, now coming to, uh, you know, my last question, this is something that I ask everybody that uh, comes on this uh, podcast, that if you have somebody who's peering in from Web 2 and uh, probably thinking about making a leap into Web 3, what would be your suggestions or advice to this person so that they can start living on blockchain?
1: Like learn and, and learn to, to have self-learning. Because I yeah. receive a lot of questions that, you know, oh, where do I learn this? Where do I learn that? And that is actually the question you don't need to ask because now we have a bunch of material. Like you can really learn about things. Learn, follow the influential people of this space, look at what they are talking about, you know, see the latest trends, make sure the, the sources that you're learning from are uh, updated because this, this space changes overnight. So you really have to keep up with the latest um, education material, but uh, but learn, but be and be aware that this is a very high-paced evolving space, and things change. And that if you don't know, uh, if you can't find out the answer to questions, then you can definitely. Um, you know, get involved into many different forums that are people are sharing knowledge, and that is one of the most amazing things about WebTree. There is tremendous amount of knowledge sharing. There is a lot of different um, so, uh, resources, like like your podcast itself, that you can actually right. listen to. You can watch. You can read and and um, learn and do things. Yeah.
0: I think that's very sound advice. I think being open to learning is very important if you're trying to get into Web3. Because, you know, as you said, this is a very dynamic space and things keep changing. They change almost within hours. And if you are somehow closed off and not open to unlearning, perhaps, then you know you would become really obsolete very quickly in this space. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I was just about to say that you mentioned it. It's also when you are open to learning means you definitely need to be open to unlearning too. Yeah, (laughs) uh, yeah, there's a lot of us that come with very stiff centralized mentalities to Web3. And a lot of us try to, you know, force and force very centralized, uh, old-fashioned Web2 business models to Web3, which it doesn't work. There's a lot of brilliant stuff from Web2 to bring to Web3 but some of the business models simply doesn't work in battery, So you have to really unlearn and then, uh, you know, replace those with with new uh, methods. So learning and unlearning both are the key.
0: Very very important. Absolutely. So uh, thank you so much once again, Zara, for taking out the time to speak to us. Any parting thoughts before we wrap
1: this up? Sure. Thank you for inviting me, and uh, I hope that uh, everyone who is listening to this will get excited about Victory if they're not in Victory space, and mm. if they are already in Victory space, stay stay, uh, stay strong, have faith. Every bear market proves more that we need to be here because we survived multiple bear markets and bear market is actually a great happening for maturing the technology because that's when the builders are then go back and really build the technology
0: absolutely i can't agree more so thank you once again zara this has been a very very
1: insightful chat thank you so much